The Sports Career Podcast, episode 246. Why is honesty and trust important when pursuing a career in the sports industry? Hey Sports Achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. Before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, I have one question for you. What is the biggest challenge you're facing right now with regards to your sports career development? Is it connect with people with regards to building a network in the sports industry? Is it getting your foot in the door with regards to getting some experience? Let me know at ed at education2sport.com. That is my actual email. Ping me an email and I'd love to help you with regards to your challenge you're facing right now. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest with regards to athlete management. I hope today's episode can support you with regards to your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is James Hare. James is the owner at Sports Pro Care, which is all about professional athlete management and supporting elite athletes with regards to their financial management and welfare. James has a really inspiring sports career journey, and I know you're going to learn a lot from this conversation. And for that reason, it's a real pleasure to have him on the show. That's when today's episode... James will share why honesty and trust is so important when pursuing a career in the sports industry. James, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? My career, my ambition was always to be a professional sportsman. Um, I wanted to be a professional footballer. I was quite gifted at golf and football, put a lot of effort into both. When I got to around the age of 15, 16, I had to make a choice of, you know, playing golf for a living or football for a living, you know, taking one a little bit more serious. And I decided to, to, to pick football, try to embark on a career and didn't make it. It sort of got to the age of 16, I did my GCSEs and it was then, what am I going to, what am I going to do? I was still having a couple of trials at football clubs, you know, at, at that time and, and the early part of the first year that I went to college, but. I went to college and studied sport and exercise science. Absolutely loved it. Um, just learned, obviously, all about the body, anatomy, physiology, psychology, you know, every other part of, you know, sport. I'd, I'd had some basic understanding from school, but, you know, it was a really sort of new world that was, was fascinating to sort of learn about all of those elements. And then I finished uni, uh, college and went to uni and did more of the same, really. It was just doing sport at at university but at that point I began to just sort of think what am I going to do uh I didn't lose my way as such uh but I I sort of lost a little bit of passion because it it was then that realization of just everything sort of hitting of you're not going to be a professional athlete you know you've already done this stuff before and and for me I need a really really clear focus of where I want to be and what I'm doing otherwise I lose sort of 
interesting drive, I suppose. And uh, if I don't know where I'm going to be, if I just sort of learning the same stuff again and everything else, if I knew where I wanted to be, but I didn't. And it came to the end of the degree, and both of my parents had been teachers. Um, my dad actually was still a teacher at the time. And I thought, actually, you know, I, I really enjoyed college. Um, the lecturing that we we had at college, and you know, I, I wouldn't mind giving that a go. So I did uh, a year's teaching degree, then ended up working in a local college for it was about six years before I left and started teaching higher education, further education, sport and exercise science, and you know everything sort of in the round that. And yeah, it didn't really, you know, I enjoyed the teaching element, but it was very difficult to teach. And, you know, my dad had, you know, sort of pre-warned me about that now that a lot had changed within teaching. It wasn't the same. There's a lot of paperwork and um, a lot of jumping through hoops. And it was very much that. And I found it quite, quite lonely. It was a big shock because I think at the time I must have been, what, 20, 21, 22 when I first went into teaching. And I was quite young-faced. And there I was sort of teaching other 17, 18, 19-year-olds who look a lot older than what I did. So it was quite intimidating. It was a big learning curve jumping in at the at the deep end, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was a, a real real learning experience. And after about two and a half years, it I, I just I really lost heart with all of that. So then I got to a point of thinking, what what, what do I then do? And uh, I then sort of only proposed really a, a job to to who was the head of sport at the time, and we were in the process of getting a, a new multi-million pound sport build. Um, we were, you know, developing all around the complex. We had sports academies um, that were running throughout football and, um, you know, they were looking to grow on that element. And I sort of said, well, listen, you know, if I can, you know, sort of step back from what I'm doing, um, you know, I'll be able to create these opportunities um, which will in turn bring in more students. It will bring in the, the wider community. We'll be able to generate finance from it as well as the reputation. You know, they were really keen. We applied to Sport England. We were successful in getting a £130,000 funding bid, um, which I was quite sort of proud of. And that funded my role for two years. Yeah, I'd, I'd worked, you know, really, really hard. And I got sort of towards the end of the first year of this and it was going really, really well and making a really big impact. But before I took the, the, the funded role, I was seconded across from my previous role because for my security at the time, you know, we were looking to, to get a mortgage. Um, you know, I didn't want sort of my salary then to be affected if in two years' time the funding wasn't there and the college were unable to make that a role. I got called into a meeting one day and pretty much the team that it was a part of prior was at risk of being made redundant. And at that point, it was just uh, the biggest kick in the down belows because I put in so, so much work and uh, was really making a big impact. And it was just sort of a big FU, really. And, you know, just at that point, I thought, you know, I've been here six years now and I've, I've had enough. You know, I can't continue to, to, to do this, you know, put in work and bring ideas to the table and just to, to help me then be told that, you may not have a job. And at that time, that's when I left and uh, Hannah Manotenson um, and um, left and started working with my brother who had a, a local fitness business and went in there really as more of a business, uh, business development manager initially. And that was just to sort of look at growing different avenues within the business. And very quickly, I sort of became 
the the general manager and there was a you know a lot of things going on at the time it was a a big fitness company it was doing incredibly well they had 60 fitness classes a week probably about 15 staff at the time and within two years the the business went from from that to then having over 300 classes a week we had about 65 employees you know we were a multi-million pound business it, we had franchises we had a clothing range we had a kids uh, program it, it just really really exploded we had nutritional stuff it it was big but all throughout that you know that's what i learned a lot about business a lot about trust uh, a lot about me and you know as i said to you before Ed, it, it was seven days a week it was constant I would wake up to messages uh, and it was all always negative. So from the outside, people could never understand because they were like, things are going really well. It's brilliant. The business, everybody's heard of it. Everybody's doing this. They had, yeah, because the business, you know, was great. The classes were great. The, the results were phenomenal. However, I was ultimately rock bottom. You know, I, I just it was permanent trouble, um, you know, from morning till night, seven days a week. And it got to the end where my little boy was due to be born. And I thought, you know, I hated being me. Uh, you know, I just, I was, you know, it was, it was hard for people to be around me. I was constantly angry, anxious, uh, just lost. And so I decided at probably the worst time possible to, to, to leave. And it was, a, it was a hard decision in one sense, but a very easy decision in the other because I needed to do what was right for me. and my family. So when I left there, it then became a case of what, what do I now do? You know, I didn't really have time to think about what's the next steps going to be. I left with so much experience, learned a lot of lessons, but it was like, where, where do I go now? What, what do I do? And I'd actually had a, a partnership with somebody who was an acquaintance at the time who was in financial services. And I just, you know, I was thinking, what, what do I want to do? What fits with my skill set? I like to be up and about. I, I don't like any days to be the same. I don't like to be sat behind office desks. I'm not one for paperwork. You know, I need to be really sort of active, out and about, on the phone, meeting people, you know, sort of having that. And I had a chat and I thought, I actually quite like the sounds of this financial service stuff. So then I became financial advisor. Um, and that really then sort of took over sort of the, the, the next few months to years. And I learned a lot from that. One of the things that I sort of stumbled into was it was sales and what i learned was the importance of, of 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 selling i always thought you know whenever you hear salesman for me i always used to think you know, uh, when you watch matilda and you've got you know the the dad and he, you know he's got the second hand dealer the, 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 yeah he's, he's got the, he's got the drill and he, he winds back the clock and that that was always my sort of impression of, of sales people and you know sort of con men and everything else and however it's it's the it's the opposite and and when you actually break it down we are all selling we are all selling. I'm selling me now. You're selling yourself now, as well as the podcast and business. We're permanently selling. And the more you learn about how to sell yourself and, and realize that, the, the, the better it becomes because that's what life's about. You know, the, the more you sell yourself, the more the opportunity sort of come your way. So that was really, or has been, because I'm still doing it, uh, a really, really valuable experience because it's taught me a lot about me um you know identifying morals and the work that i do for people so that, that was you know fantastic um and then 
you know, probably getting to the point you want me to tell that story, I think. Well, hold on. If you don't mind, <laughs> hold on. There's so much knowledge there. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to take your breath as well. Um, I just want to go back in time just a little bit because a lot of my listeners, they are studying sports science degrees. They're figuring out what's next. Like, relating to your, your journey, there was three periods of when you said what's next, you know, after your um, degree after your teaching and then after working with your, your brother in the, in the business of the fitness business. So going back, I have a statement and I'd love to hear your views on this, what I've learned through my podcast journey, that working in sport isn't a job, it's a journey. That's just a phrase I've just created because it one releases pressure and two, we learn along the way from our different experiences. So out of interest from your teaching, from your business experience and from your studying studying sport, how has that supported you right now in the present moment? I'm really intrigued on that point. Before we talk in detail of honesty and trust, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's, it's helped monstrously. You know, I think in the past when we've spoken, I, I've touched upon this is life, because your phrase is brilliant, but for me, I just relate that to life in general life's a journey life is hard life is really really hard and uh you know the financial services stuff for example that's one of the things that i'm really quite passionate about because when you're protecting people and protecting families that's the severity and you get the good side of protecting people but you also hear a lot of stories of where life hasn't worked out for people and the horror stories and the more people you speak to them everybody Everybody can relate to it. Everybody can relate to it. So life's a, a really hard journey. And within business and within sport and within life, more often than not, you'll get you know, a lot of you know, bad days and bad times. And there'll be bad things that happen to you and the people around. And one thing that's helped me to do is sort of, I wouldn't say sort of numb it a little bit, but it, it helps, that experience helps you to sort of deal with it better and quicker. So now bad things happen within business. Bad things happen within sport, bad things happen within my life. But what I'm able to do now is digest that quicker. More importantly, learn from that. That's the biggest thing is learning from it. Everybody fails. Everybody loses. It's then learning from that. Now I'm able to do that a lot quicker and think, right, move on. And change that mindset of actually thinking, yeah, well, that's, that wasn't actually that bad. And, and, and you move on with it. Life moves on. And that, that's one big thing, that those lessons. And it makes you more cautious. Uh, and that's why you can't go into things thinking everything's going to be rosy because it's just not. It's not. And uh, we live in a world, sadly, where people make it sound really easy that you, know, you can have this business or this online business and not have to deal with people and put a product on Amazon, you're going to make £30,000 a month and you, know, you can be on a, a back of a yacht in Dubai when you're 22-year-old, drinking bottles of champagne, living a life and it doesn't work like that. And it only takes opening your eyes for two seconds to look at all the biggest business people in the world, the most successful business people in the world. And most of them are still active to an elderly age. And there's many reasons for that. But one is it's because that's their love, that's their passion, it's in their DNA to do that. So when people think, well, if I'd made that money, I would retire. That's, and that's the reason they have the money in the businesses because they don't think like that. Um, and I think you were on the clubhouse call when I was, you know, was talking to, to, to George earlier the, this last week we were on. It was a brilliant call. And, I, and I, I asked him and I said, you know, he's got 
uh, a multi-billion pound business. And I said, do you ever envisage a day where you won't want to work? And he said, absolutely not. You know, he can't, you know, he can't now when he's mid forties, I think he is look and think there's going to be a day that I'm not going to work. And, you know, if you're going to go into anything, you need to have that passion in sport. You need to have that passion because if you haven't got that passion, then you're not going to be able to handle the bad days. You really aren't going to be able to handle it. You know, you need to have a clear vision of where you want to be. And I think they're the things that I've learned. I've, but I suppose out of all of it and all the experiences, the biggest thing is that I've, I've learned who I am, who I really, really am, uh, deep down as a person, and to stand by who I am as a person. Because I, before I went into business, one of the big things was that I always want to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked by everybody. And unfortunately, that's an impossible task. You know, it's an impossible task. And if you're too busy thinking about what people think of you or do think of you, then you're not being you. And, you know, if you're trying to please everybody, you're not pleasing yourself. And that's what you have to do. It's your life. You get one of it. You know, you need to, you need to be you. And people will then appreciate that. Will people maybe not like you? Yeah, absolutely. And that was one thing I found really quite tough was that people didn't like me. Within business, especially working within my brother's business, I upset a lot of people. I had to make some really tough decisions. I had to make, you know, people, you know, sort of redundant and and take, you know, opportunities away from people and everything else. And you had to do that because it was in the betterness of the business. And it was tough. It was tough. And you, you create a lot of enemies then within the business. And they fight against you and, you know, you have to, you're aware of all these things and it can make you really quite insecure. And that's when I had to realize and sit back and think, no, I'm a decent person. I'm doing everything for the right reasons. I'm a good man. I'm a really good person. I will bend over backwards and help people. But, you know, if people can't then sort of follow the values and the principles and where the business wants to be, then we have to make decisions and you're not going to be liked for that. And I found that tough. And, and anybody going to the sport and in business, you're going you're gonna to have to handle that. Uh, and it's not easy. It's something that I've, I've learned a big, big lesson from is you have to be secure with who you are, be yourself, and then everything else you know, will fall in place eventually. And you'll meet the right people. Just on this point, I think it's a beautiful stage of the interview because it re- really relates to today's podcast topic. Like you said, you cannot please everybody, but how important is to show that honesty and trust when working with people in the sports industry in particular? Yeah, 100%. That, that's something, uh, I mean, obviously we haven't got really into the sports broadcast stuff and I know you, you, know, you want to talk about that, which is the sort of the business I've got now, the sports management and, and, and welfare business. And a big part of that and the very fundamental, there's something that you know, I have to, to explain to people, but I love explaining it to people is the morals that lie behind it. Because we live in a world, and you know, my prediction is gonna get worse, a lot worse, because when the true extent of the situation and everything, you know, we're all desperate for this you know, to lift and to move on. But when that happens, there's gonna be a lot of redundancies, there's gonna be a lot of people desperate to feed their families. And what comes with that then is a lot of backstabbing, you know, people then, you know, really become desperate and you see some bad qualities in people and that's going to get worse within business. Uh, and it's something that going into the sports world, you have to be very, very conscious of. 
So in terms of going back to what you were saying, absolutely, you have to, and I broadcast that constantly, that these are my morals, these are my principles. I don't make false promises because, you know, working with athletes or work with anybody, all of them have been burnt, all of them. Every time you speak to them, I had this manager, I had this agent, I had such and such. Somebody came along, they promised me the sponsorship deal, they didn't deliver. And the first thing I say is, I'm not going to promise you anything. Other than, I, you know, if you work with me, I'll work with you and I'll bend over backwards and I'll give you everything. That's my promise. I won't promise to achieve anything, but I'll promise I'll try my hardest. Uh, and once you get to that stage with people, then in the believe it and the see it, then it gives you an opportunity to do that. And as long as you're giving your hardest and you're honest with people, People then can't come back to you at the end of the day if you feel and say, you promised me this and you haven't delivered, you lied. The more likely you turn around and say, you know, he didn't promise me anything. He said he was going to try and get this. He worked his backside off, but was unable to do it. But, you know, he's a good person. And the difference that that makes is, one, it's better for the athlete, but two, everybody talks and it's a reputation. And then what happens later down the line is they then go and speak to somebody else another another you know uh, person within their field and they inevitably do which everybody else does what's james like and they'll, they'll say well he's full of it he's fu- he's full of rubbish he promises the world and doesn't deliver but if you feel for somebody but you have that mindset they'll then tell people that you will work the backside off for them and you know for the business i'm in now within the, the sports side of things it's very much you dealing with people first anyway that's very much what it is. You, you, they happen to play sport for a living, but they're a, they're, a, they're a human being. And if you can have decent manners, decent values, stand by them, don't def- ever sort of deflect away from them and stick to who you are, nobody can come back and call you a liar. Nobody can call you a hypocrite. Nobody can say that you promised anything. It sounds easy, but it's not. And, and, and that for me is a culmination really of everything I was saying about previous experiences. It's taken me a while. I'm 34 now. It's taken me the best part of 34 years to get to that where I'm confident with who I am, confident about where I want to be, confident that I can, you know, do these things for people. That didn't happen at 18, 20, you know, when I was at university, a bit lost. I could have never envisaged being here now because it's been that full learning process. Um, and it's been, it's been tough. But you, you you learn and it, it it brings you out a better person. There's one story I'd like you to share, and you know what I'm talking about with regards to the. <laughs> uh, and and the reason why I'm sharing this, and, and 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 please feel free not to name clubs because I you know I'm I'm all about respect on this show. But yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. I do want my listeners yeah, to learn the there is the dark side of the sports industry, and and, and it's not talked about enough at times. I'm always about positive inspiration learning from great people but i want people to be mindful that there's always the dark side so could you explain the story before you started your own company this investment technology deal with a couple of football clubs that went wrong but what i am going to say what i admire from you james when we first got connected is you said to me i had to make some big calls to apologize to those clubs and it was very uncomfortable but it made you a strong person where you are now so I'm going to give you the mic if you just wouldn't mind sharing this case study and we can go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, I'm not name, name names, but it, 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 it's the same story. Nevertheless. Yeah, it was, 
oh, probably about uh, just less than a year ago, really. And I got involved with somebody who was in in the in the tech world. Um, you know, claimed to have a, a very you know big business, uh, and I took on the role of, of commercial director. And I'd been in this role for probably only a handful of days, and I can't remember exactly how it sort of it, it came around, but we I th- we were approached about potential sponsorship for three championship football clubs. Um, and it was, uh, you know, for a decent sum of money and it was to advertise the business. And, um, I got chatting after about a week to, to these three clubs and in quite a lot of detail. And it got to the point where we're taking it really serious about putting the, you know, the money in. Yeah. I I ended up on three zoom calls in this one day. We had, you know, three zoom calls off the back. I was on the calls by myself and with the three clubs, and one of the clubs actually had their chief executive on. They had the first team manager on talking about all of his plans, the commercial directors. And, it, you know, I was really taken aback. You know, they, they pulled out all the stops because they wanted us to, to sponsor. You know, I was over the moon because I thought this is what I want to be ultimately doing. We got the sort of the, I think it was the Friday, and we'd pick one of the clubs. And we promised, obviously, over a couple of years to put in, it was probably about half a million pounds, bordering 600 grand um, sponsorship for two-year deal. They were over the moon, you know, they were sending me messages, calls on this night and everything else. I was delighted, you know, because I thought this is going to be absolutely brilliant. I couldn't wait to sort of get down to the, the training ground and the ground and be able to sort of see the work that I'd, I'd put into this deal. And then it got to the Sunday and the the club asked for proof of funds, naturally, which obviously they would. It's a, it's a large sum of money. and so then I had to go to the, the owner of the company and say, you know, they need the proof of funds. And that's when things changed quite drastically. Um, and there was a lot of skirting around the subject, um, putting it off until Monday, um, you know, and, and all of a sudden I just had this good feeling and thought something's not right here. And it got, uh, got to Monday, he just sort of disappeared off the face of the earth. You know, I, I couldn't get in touch with him. I was getting phone calls off the football club. I was getting phone calls off an intermediary. Um, they want the proof of funds and they were you know, really excited to announce this. It was a big deal for them. Naturally so, you know, it was big money and it was a big deal for me. And it turned out ultimately that the money wasn't there. The deal couldn't, couldn't happen. And it went from this real excitement to then sort of thinking I've been completely and utterly conned here. Um, you know, I've been made a bit of a, a fool of, not a bit of a fool, a massive fool of. So I had to then go back to this championship football club and say, that deal that you're really excited about isn't going to happen. Um, and you can imagine, obviously, that they weren't best placed. So the, the, this, it was a mixture of emotions because firstly, it was I'd taken a job. That, and so I knew I was now going to get paid. So I had to pay the bills at the end of the month. I had to tell a wife that I'd, you know, me then sort of this job that I'd, I'd taken on didn't exist. And I was now in a little bit of bother. Luckily, you know, I never gave up what I was doing previously. So I could sort of flick back to that and it didn't affect me too drastically. But then it was the fact that it put me in a really difficult position. As I am now, I'm very much grown within the sports world. You know, I want to make many connections and grow those connections. Yeah, it, it made me look, horrific so then I was sat with the choice of what do I do 
So I thought there's only one decision. There's only one route that I'm able to do, and it was the hardest one because I could have just ignored it and passed the book and done everything else, but I was the one the clubs were speaking to. So I had to give them all a call and say, listen, I'm, I'm sorry for wasting your time. Uh, you know, I'm sorry that this has happened. You know, I, I apologise, but it's only right of me to ring up and explain the situation. You know, if I can help in any way, shape or form to rectify things, to put you in touch with anybody else, and I'm, I'm more than happy to do so. And, and thankfully, the clubs were, were absolutely brilliant with me and a couple of them still keep in touch with me now and ask how I'm getting on and ask how I, you know, if I'm okay and stuff. They were absolutely brilliant. And, I re- and, and in, that, in that time, it was, I really, really appreciated it and still do now um, because they didn't have to. They could have just cut me off. But that was testament to the, the clubs and the people within those clubs, which makes me think of them even higher now than I, than I did then. And because they too also had morals and they lived and breathed their club and they wanted to do what was right by their club and their fans. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a real, real learning curve. But then I suppose the caveat to that as well was having been through a lot of experience where I'd been rock bottom, I'd been burnt and everything else helped me handle that situation that actually quite, I was quite proud of. Because in the past, that probably would have, you know, sort of written me off probably for a few weeks. I probably would have struggled mentally. I would have been quite lost and uh, disappointed in, in myself and embarrassed and hidden away. Uh, and I didn't. I just sat down after it all came to light. And I made the calls and I thought, right, what, what do I do now? And it was easy. I had no choice. It's get up tomorrow and get back on with it. And... But what it did make me do was reflect, which was the you know the important thing that I was saying at the beginning is reflecting on those mistakes and learning from them. And one thing that I learned from that mistake was I was sick and tired of bending over backwards for for other people's businesses, bringing ideas to the table. You know, going back to working for the college. You know, ideas that I knew were were going to sort of develop and grow and be beneficial, and really being hamstrung by it all. You know, I think I said this to you before, it was the same reason why I took this job is you want that security and think, well, if I get the money at the end of the month, then that's okay because running your business, obviously you don't guarantee that income. And I'd spent a lot of time doing that for people and in the hope I would, I would get that. And that was where I realized and thought, actually, if I put all of that time and energy into something of my own, where would I be now? I'd be, I'd be, you know, much further down the road in my career than I would have ever been. Why am I putting that work into somebody else when I can put that into something on my own? So that's when I've had to think, what do I want to do? Where do I want to be? And it was a big, big self-reflection time to think, what, what am I going to do now? And that's when I went back all the way to my roots. And the biggest thing that, the dream that I want to have was to be a professional athlete. And it was, it was elite level sport that's what I wanted to be involved in I could obviously at 34 I'm not going to do that now you know but what's the next best thing I thought let's let's have a bit of a think and that's where I came up with sports pro care um and sports pro care is a, a management and welfare company and we look after now many elite level sports people in different capacities some we manage some we just look after from a financial perspective. But I, I just looked at all the experiences that I had 
experiences our friends had had, you know, playing professional football and professional sports. Um, looked at the skill set I had, so the financial services stuff, um, the experiences in growing sports, growing social media accounts, um, branding, um, you know, sort of just even the business acumen. Pulled all of that together into a package that I felt was really, really comprehensive. And when I looked at it and started running that idea past people, they very quickly told me that athletes wouldn't really need to go anywhere else. We can look after them and the family. And the big part of it was not only looking after them and the family whilst they were playing and during the career, it was also what happens if somebody's released from a football club? What happens? Where do they go? Because one of my friends ended up getting into gambling, had a big gambling debt, had people after him, spent many years you know, chasing, just lost causes because he didn't know what to do. He had no guidance. And I know of a few people like that and I've heard many, many stories. But also then similarly what happens when they come to the end of that career. For a lot of sports, that happens mid-30s. They've still got over half of their life left. So it's not a case of retiring. It's the end of that step. But then what do they go on to do? And that's you know, not normal for them. Uh, they don't know. They've not been guided. Their life has just been playing sport, playing sport. And nobody really gives them that sort of reality and nobody prepares them for that. And, and that's something that we look at really from the first day we start working with any of our clients is this is going to come to an end one day. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be in five, ten years' time. But the more you start planning now and recognize that, one, it's going to be less of a shock, but two, you're going to have plans in place and it'll transition more seamlessly than it ever would before. Sadly, for, you know, for many, that it becomes either a thought that when they've retired or in the year that they're planning to retire, or for some, it just hits them when they have a bad injury or you know, they can't find a club or they fall for tour. Um, it's really then just helping them prepare and, and do that. So that's where Sports Pro Care was born off the back of, of off the back of that. And within about a week, I think it was, I had the website designed, um, the business plan done, the name, the domain board, everything up and running, the social media account set up, and and was active and trying to you know get clients. You know, a big big gap because the two sports I wanted to target. Um, was, was snooker and football purely because the, the two sports that I love the most at the moment and uh, have done for the last few years and ended up with a, a few snooker players very, very quickly, very quickly. And I thought, there's a need here. There's a demand here. People were liking what I was trying to do. People were liking you know, the, the business model. Uh, people were liking the fact that I wasn't making them false promises and I was very honest and open with them and very transparent which you know, wasn't common for some of their previous experiences. And from there, we've now built up a, a portfolio of quite a few athletes, boxers, uh, snooker players, uh, you know, jockeys, rugby. You know, we, we're now in quite a few sports. And like I said, working with people in different capacities, but we're supporting them and, and the families and helping really them to achieve the goals, but really doing all of the work in and around that. Uh, and I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And that was born purely out of that situation and making me reflect upon the mistake I'd made, but also reflecting upon where did I want to be in life? Money doesn't motivate me. Money doesn't motivate me. Would I like more money? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? But I, I'm not you know, the person who can say, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be happy. That's what I want to be. And I know, you know, sometimes you need money to be happy. You need money for security. And absolutely, that's part and parcel of 
the business and trying to generate funds. And you've got to be obviously very, very conscious and coy about that. Um, but for me, it was more about what makes me happy. What do I want to do? I don't want to have a job. I want to have a passion. And since starting Sports Pro Care, I've worked pretty much seven days a week, every week. And I've never once seen it as a job, never once seen it as a chore. It is something that I love and, and, and want to do more of. I don't wake up on a Sunday night dreading which lessons I've got on a Monday morning and having that butterflies in your stomach thinking, oh, I'm going back. And you spend half of your Sunday worrying about going back to work and putting off the marketing until the Sunday afternoon and you lose a full day. And then you, you know, and have that dread when you wake up in the morning, it's here we go again and look forward to Friday. At the moment, I don't even know what day of the week it is. You know, like most weeks, it just all blurs into one. It's, it's what's the next challenge? What's the next thing to do? And, and more focused on, you know, clients' agendas and their tournaments and schedules. Uh, it gets the weekend, you know, the, I spend time with the kids and it's brilliant. But, you know, it's, it's then it still gives me the flexibility to do a little bit of work here and there. But I never once dread work. And it's the most beautiful feeling in the world. James, I want to interrupt you because I just want to thank you. Um, I really do hope the listeners not just enjoyed it, but really learned from you just then. I have. I, I sort of lost for words, to be honest, because I know we've. this is probably the, the second time we've spoken about this situation. And, and I'm just so grateful that you shared it on this show because I really want people to understand it's not always this fairy tale working in sport. There is, as I say, this ugly side. But really quickly, the one topic I do want to talk about, and I know we've got a real synergy and similarities. We've talked about values, but I want to talk about networking now because I, want, I love sharing to the listeners how I got connected with you. Now, recently, there's this new social media channel called Clubhouse. I've been really intrigued on the platform, but really quickly, two weeks ago, I was on Clubhouse. I did a session, nine o'clock in the morning. Thought people would turn up. Nobody turned up. It was literally Billy No Mates on his own, except one person came up who I knew and says, Ed, I think you should just do it another time. At the time, I thought, should I, shouldn't I? Old Ed would have went, nah, forget it. I'll, I'll do it another day. But no, I stuck by it. I rescheduled it at 12 p.m. And got a few of my uh, people who I know from my network to join the call um, who, who I knew could add value to the conversation, who, who I respect as well. And James turned turned up to this call and uh he was the first one i asked a question to and the first thing i said uh where's that accent from and i said i guess sunderland and <laughs> honestly from that moment since we have just we got straight on the phone we just we, we both shared our stories of how we got to where we are and honestly i felt like i've known him for years because we have similar values we have similar like understanding of the right way to do things so one thing i would like to you, you to share if you wouldn't mind James is the importance of building a network but most importantly build meaningful connections and conversations I'd love to hear your philosophy on that with regards to your experience at Sports Pro within the last nine months yeah do you know you, you you've hit the nail on the head um is that's something that I've always done and actually purely because I, I enjoy it and I think we're both very much on the same page. There is, I think if you're going to network and permanently wanting something, and you do get them, you do get, you know, these networking groups, everything else, which I don't particularly like, where it's forced networking and people are there because they want to sell something and it becomes a little bit disingenuous. I'm more about 
you know, something that yourself is having meaningful conversations with people, like-minded people, ultimately been, you know, building a rapport and a, and a friendship where you can have that network around. Uh, and it's so, so, so important because when you have tough times in business, that's who you fall back on. That's who you fall back on. Um, you know, you need those people to sort of be mentors around you. Uh, and it's something that I've always done is just network and speaking to people and not being scared to reach out to people um, because that's one thing that people are, they're scared to, to ask people. I'll send anybody a message. And, you know, and because I've said this to you before, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're saying no or they, or they ignore you. It doesn't really hurt, does it? You know, it, it's, but what, what's the best What's the best thing? They come back and say, yeah, yeah, let's have a chat. Or yeah, you know, I, I would love to work with you. And you're like, wow, this is absolutely brilliant. And, and a lot of the, you know, we could have a separate podcast where I could tell numerous stories about my network and, and how it's led to some unbelievable, unbelievable opportunities. And it's even through a, you know, from one person that meets somebody else and somebody else, it's, it's staggering. It's, it's staggering. And for example, you know, this week I've just uh, announced it, which I'm really quite excited about, uh, a, a big partnership with a company called Chimera which have infrared technology. They're a big company. They're doing some amazing things and their products uh, help increase recovery time from injuries to help, you know, you know, the half and recovery times from muscular injuries, they help recovery, you know, intermittent from performance, um, increases blood flow, uh, ATP uh, production. So it, it's, it's a real big deal for me. Now that opportunity came actually off the back of that experience with the football club because I got chatting to somebody else who was well connected and then you know over the time we've had meaningful conversations like you say it wasn't a genuine connections and someone that you're going to meet once and they're going to do something for you you know I've had to then build up a trust with him uh, he's had to build up a trust with me we've done had many conversations about many different things to then one day he rings me and says actually I, I want to introduce you to one of my contacts I think that could be useful for you which he did a couple of weeks ago now, this, this bloke was somebody very, very similar to me, has been there, done it, you know, to levels that I can only dream of doing. You know, he's managed some monumental athletes at the top of their career um, and is still involved in the game now. And he then introduced me to Kai Mayer and came on the call. And he said, I think you should have a chat with them. They'll be useful. So you, you've went from that bad experience to then meeting one person Till then, nine months down the line, you've been introduced to somebody else who's introduced to some that then becomes a big, big partner. And that now benefits my athletes. But that doesn't happen without networking. It's as simple as that. I've just got another phrase I use when I sort of teach students or when I give people advice. Would you agree on this? The quality of your communication is the quality of your network. 100%. 100%. Yeah, everything about communication because... You know, we spoke about this again, you know, either the other day or earlier. If you sort of ignore people's messages, if you, you know, are quite uh, abrupt with people on the phone, if you have a bad attitude, if you don't speak to people pleasantly, like I said, you know, a couple of minutes ago, if you go into a networking or go into somebody purely looking to be self-indulgent and, and take, 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 you're going to get nothing from that because people, especially the, the further you get down the line within sport, are very coy with that. They've had many, many people do them. They've had many people reach out to them. And, and they can see through it a mile away and think, two seconds, what's this person after? I don't like his attitude. I don't like his communication. 
Um, you know, he seems really abrupt. Uh, he's ignoring my messages. You know, he's not doing any of this. And people just will, will not then work with you. And the communication side is so, so important. And funnily enough, that was one thing that I always had a, a concern about and still do now is I believe as a society, we're losing the art of communication. And I seen that firsthand when I was a teacher in the college because students were sitting in groups of friends, not even communicating. Earphones in, listen to music, um, you know, on the phones. They were actually then text each other on the same table on the phones. Uh, they, they couldn't communicate. And it, it was just like watching a civil, civilization going backwards. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't talk, they couldn't. And, and I was like, that was the best part for me. We used to sit with friends and like I still do now and wind each other up and have jokes and talk about main stuff and, and communicate. And communication is so key because if you can't articulate something and pick up the phone, how on earth do you, you know, ever expect then to build a relationship and a network and a business or work within a business? You need communication is so key. So key. Look, James, I've really enjoyed this conversation, but most importantly, I admire what you've done. So on that point, out of interest, what are you most proud of looking back from your sports career journey, looking back right now? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, to be honest, and it's not just because it's the, the most recent, but I, I would have to say it is the sports pro care business. And probably that, that, you know, that whole story that I've told you over the last nine, 10 months, really, where um, is the ability to keep bouncing back because I've had many, many dark days and many days where I just think I'm just going to give this all up or go into a different career or, you know, just thinking this isn't just worth it anymore. You know, I'm putting a lot of hard work in, I'm doing everything uh, uh, to then sort of be able to, to put all that to one side and build something that has a lot of potential because it's it's only nine months old it's nowhere near the finished article it's nowhere near a business where at the level it needs to be at or i want it to be at but all the fundamental and all the basics are there we've got clients we're doing work for clients clients appreciate everything that we're doing for them and i'm happy and and that's that's ultimately why i say that's there become many things but throughout a lot of them not been happy I've been that career, I've been happy with where I've been at personally. And do I still have bad days now? A hundred percent. But do I love what I do? Yes. Am I happy? Yes. And so for that reason alone, that's got to be the, the proudest. Hey, thank you for sharing that. Now, as always, James, I always like to finish with an inspirational question. You've provided bags of advice, but I really appreciate your life experience. From all the advice you've said already on this call or podcast, what three tips, like round off tips, would you give to the listener right now with regards to making their first step to starting a career in the sports industry? The first one is don't fear failure. You know, we, as, as human beings, our bodies are designed to, to keep us safe. You know, that's why we have the anxiety, the fight or flight. Our bodies only want to protect us from that. And it's a permanent psychological battle to remind and yourself to, to try and come out of that box, so to speak, and, uh, and to make those phone calls, to make those emails, to start your own business, to apply for a job that you think you may not be good enough. You've got enough fear failure because the older that I've got, and you know, I don't want to sound all preachy here because I'm only 34, but you know, the, the, the older I've got, the more 
I've realised who I am, what's important to me, which is the family and the loved ones that I have around me. And nothing else then really matters because when I'm long gone from this planet, the only people that's really going to care them and they're not going to be bothered that I was maybe laughed down the phone because I made a phone call. You know, they're all really innocuous things. The only things that bother me about feelings, feeling as a, as a husband and a dad, they're the only things that really bother me about feeling. Everything else, I'm not, I'm not particularly bothered um, because nobody is going to care about that in years to come. When I'm long gone, people's going to remember who I was as a person. They're going to say, was James a decent person or not? Yes, he was. Well, you know, did James love his family? Yes, he did. They're not going to say, can you remember that time when he was playing football and he failed or he tripped over or he did this or he made that phone call and he embarrassed himself a little bit. Those failures and nothing to fear. And you have to remind yourself of that constantly. But when you do that, the world opens up. Don't be scared. To, you know, if you want to reach out and do something, if you want to get experience within sport, send someone a message. Like I said, what's the worst that's going to happen? They ignore you. They say no. Brilliant. You know, no one's ever going to turn around and tell you to do one because that's more of a, and if they do, you're better off without them because that's more of a reflection on them than it is on you. And you're better off finding that then than later down the line. But ultimately, go for it. And then you bounce back up. And as I've said many times throughout all of this, I've failed more times than I've succeeded. But when you do succeed and you get it right on the bigger scale, that's when you, you, you get your rewards. Second one will be be you which is what I've spoken about throughout. We live in a world where social media and everything else, we're trying to be, you know, everybody's trying to be something that they're not. Physically, appearance-wise, behavior-wise, career-wise, be you. We only get one life, you know, and it is that simple. And you're living inside your body and the only person that can be happy is you. So be true to who you are. You know, don't, don't try and do anything that you're not don't try and be anything that you're not because, you know, those people who like you for being something else, that's never going to last. It's just never, ever going to last. People will inevitably throughout life dislike you or have fallen out. That doesn't make you a bad person. But if you're you throughout, then you can always sit back at the end of the day and say, yeah, I've, I've been me and I've been happy. Um, and so, yeah, don't try and be anything else. Just be you. And then you will build, going back to the network, you will build a network of like-minded people around you who are comfortable within their own skin. And again, you'll be happy and have a supportive network around you. But if you're trying to be something else, it's, just, it's never going to work. Uh, and the last one will be, again, fitting with all of it, is do what you love, do what you're passionate about. And you always hear your people say that, and people used to say it, and they say, oh, yeah, that's quite self-explanatory. But for anybody listening, Ed, any of your, you know, your listeners on here or people who are, you know, in education and looking at a career is, you know, you have to, when you get into business, it's hard. It is really, really hard. Nobody can ever tell you that you get into business and it's going to be very easy. It's a big, big learning curve. Every day is a challenge. So getting back to doing what you love, if you aren't passionate and you don't love that, you business will never ever go anywhere because once those bad days hit you're going to pack up and run for the hills because you're never going to be able to dig deep because you need that passion you need that hunger and you need that goal of where you want to be and that's where people fall down in businesses and think oh well that looks easy there's lots of money within that and they start and they get blown out of the water because once the bad days hit and the challenges hit 
they haven't got that passion, they haven't got that hunger because it's not something that they love. And you, 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 that's what you need to find. And it might take time. It's taken me 34 years to get the, to a business that I, I truly love. So don't rush it. That's number four, isn't it? Don't, don't rush it. There's number four, yeah. You've asked for three, I'm giving you four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, top man. Look, James, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I really do hope the listeners take in those four tips. Out of interest, where's the best place where people can connect with you online? Uh, so pretty much anywhere and everywhere. I'm on Twitter. Um, so sports broker and um, me as an individual, James Hare. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Again, both sports broker and, and James Hare. I'm on LinkedIn um, as, as myself. And again, a sports broker, there's a business page on there. I'm more than happy to answer those. And, you know, if people want me to give them a call, and have a chat and, and help give them some focus or some advice. I'm more than happy to do that. I really, really am because people have done that to me uh, and it's, it's been a, a, a big benefit to speak to people who've been there and done it. I still do that today. I still ring people and, and text people and get advice from people who've achieved more than me. That's how you learn. That's how you get better. Um, so I'm more than happy if people want to ask me anything, reach out, send me a message and uh, and I'll happily get back. That is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. James, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. And thank you very much for having me on. Brilliant podcast, Aunt, and, and genuinely love what you're doing. And uh, I'm glad we got connected. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been uh, sort of brilliant to get to know you and uh, share the values and some of our stories. And I'm sure we'll continue to do so. What a fantastic podcast chat with James. And I'd love to hear what was your biggest takeaway from this conversation. But I actually want to take this time to thank James again because it's conversations like this which inspire me to do this podcast show. I always wanted to provide a resource which is real, authentic career guidance. And without a doubt, particularly the story where he shares about that sponsorship deal that fell through, it really indicates the dark side of the sports industry. And that, when I mean dark side, I'm not talking about Star Wars. I'm talking about that there is the ugly side of the sports industry when deals don't go through. But we looking in, meaning from not experiencing ourselves, we don't think it goes on, but it does. And it's amazing. I can't give specifics because, you know, I I'm, I'm, have to respect other people's privacy of their experience. But this is not the first example I've heard with regards to this dark side of the sports industry. And it's something to be really mindful of, particularly on your sports career development. I want you to thrive. I want you to find what really sparks you with regards to your sports career ambition. But you've got to be mindful that this does go on. And that's why, in my opinion, it's so important to have the right people around you, have the right network around you who are supportive and encouraging. So when you do face these incidences that could happen, you've got people to fall onto where you can, who can help you pick yourself up. And this is like, I hope James will agree when he's listened to the ending that if this happens to him again, he can reach out to me just for a helping hand because this is what it's all about when you connect with similar people with similar values you end up being that support network with each other even if you don't work together on projects you're just there and for me I felt that's what James was missing after that incident but now with regards to what he's doing with sports pro care he's just in his element and it's so great to see how he's turned adversity into something successful now he's in control 
And it really does lead to today's podcast topic, that trust and honesty. And I've had to add another word, integrity, are key in this industry. It's something, these are just words, but when you actually apply them with meaning to yourself, with your actions, it brings a new level. Actually, James emphasized that in our conversation. He's actually taught me a lot during that conversation to re-evaluate my self-awareness on these two words, trust and honesty. And if I add that third one again, integrity, because they are important, they actually showcase you as a personal brand. When you are in line, your own values, in line, that honesty and trust, when you connect with people in the sports industry or work with people in the sports industry. So there is so much I've taken from this conversation. I hope you have too. But with regards to the ending with those sports career tips, I totally agree with James here is doing something you really enjoy. It's overused, I have to admit, but relating to James's story and his experience, you can tell he's enjoying what he's doing. And when you find your thing that just gives you that spark in whatever you have a real interest in, it really doesn't feel like work. Even now I'm working on projects which I never imagined I'll be doing and it doesn't feel like work, even doing this podcast outro. So look, I really do hope you've enjoyed this conversation and I would really appreciate if you could leave a rating or a review with regards to your experience to listen to this podcast. It's how it's helped you today. I'd be super grateful. But most importantly, put James's career tips into action today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. James said, if you want to work in the sports industry, be you and be true to who you are.